the biggest thing that I like about like you know like and and drives me constantly is that that feeling of you know all these people that are coming here they're having a great time they they celebrating uh, uh, you know a birthday or 50th anniversary or they're getting engaged here it's like how we are a place that enables all these you know life memorable moments so it's that's what kind of like you know motivates me and keeps me going how does a restaurateur go from arriving in australia speaking no english and finding work as a cleaner to being a successful restaurateur in Sydney with two restaurants. Today, our guest is Peruvian restaurant owner, Luis Guzman. His restaurants are Lima Nike restaurant and Warike, both in Sydney. Luis, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hello, Danny. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to, you know, to share my story. Thank you for, for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about your story, which sounds very inspiring and must have taken a lot of determination to uh, get to where you are now in Sydney, owning two restaurants, my goodness. Um, but I want to start with Peru and Peruvian cuisine. I mean, it's I think it's one of the world's most interesting cuisines, but it's not something, it's not one that we know that much about in Australia. I feel like a lot of people still have much to learn about what it means to eat Peruvian. Can you clue us in? Tell us about some of the characteristics of the food of Peru. Well, I mean, Peruvian food is, um, yeah, like you said, is 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 gaining or it has been gaining, you know, uh, great popularity in the past few years. And um I think it's uh, it is a result of of like so much uh, different cultural and, and uh, diversity. So Peru's um, um, cuisine is results of many many years of um, evolution of like different immigrants. For example, uh, Japanese coming into Peru and implementing, you know, their techniques using Peruvian ingredients and and Chinese as well that came around, you know, 250 years ago to Peru and they came to work as, um, you know, in the in the farms and then they decided to stay and and that also uh, resulted in a big part of, of you know Peru's culinary scene, which is uh, chifa. So that that uh, the result of that union, that Peruvian Chinese um, influence is, uh, is is the biggest. You know, there's like seven thousand chifa restaurants in Lima only. So it's like. Yeah, and then we have a uh, European influence from Fr- France, Spain, Italy, and um, I think that's why Peruvian food is is very appealing to uh, a lot of different palates and 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 backgrounds because there's uh, there's so much diversity in in techniques and ingredients and and all of that is is result of you know this migration that happened hundreds of years ago and and. And all of that has become Peruvian food, uh, but with these uh, additions of other cultures, you know, that came to Peru that mix their ingredients or their techniques with the Peruvian in- ingredients and, and Peruvian ways of cooking that came from, you know, from the Incas or the, or the Moches far back, like thousands of years ago. And, and all of that is, is Peruvian cuisine of today that also, you know, with all the new 
um, chefs and techniques is, is always evolving. There's always something new, and, and that's what makes Peruvian uh, cuisine so special. I think I would say the main, main point is diversity, diversity of, of cultures that played a part in, in what Peruvian cuisine is today. Yeah, so interesting. And I think, you know, anyone that lives in Australia can relate to that diversity and the way that, um, yeah, immigrants come and there's uh, bring food with them, but then it gets adapted and, you know, transformed and always it's always alive and continuing to develop. So what sort of food did you grow up eating? What would be like a, a typical lunch, dinner and, and food for a special occasion? Well, I mean, we like eat every day, like um, everyday food was, my mom was like the, the cook of the family. So she always managed to make something nice out of little because we didn't have much, but um, like we would go to the market, buy some veggies, some chicken and, and always rice. We have rice almost with anything unless we're having another carb like uh, pasta or something. So she would make uh, some sort of like uh, stew with chicken or some Peruvian spices and chilies and and rice on the side and potatoes so it was all there was not like a, you know uh, the the Peruvian dishes that that you see in restaurants it, it was more like everyday you know Peruvian food but um it was a, a lot of like rice and and pastas and um and chicken and beef but um yeah cooked with you know, just like, you know, some days we use uh, like eggs and, and and rice or like tuna from a can with rice, but she would put some like Peruvian spices or something to make it taste nice and, and it would work. So it was very, yeah, it is very, you know, humble, but um, it was always uh, tasty. So, so yeah. So good. I thought um, potatoes were like a massive part of Peruvian cuisine, but they didn't seem to feature much in what you just told us. Yeah, per- potatoes are, are really like every, you know, everyday, everyday food. They're very, there's so many, you know, types of potatoes and and um, it is everyday food. Like um, usually, the, the, you know, the day-to-day meal in for example, for me, I can describe one one dish is uh, ají de gallina. Like it's like a stew made with a shredded chicken and a yellow Peruvian chili paste, and it takes rice and also potatoes with it. So that is that is a you know an example of an everyday dish. Also, another dish is estofado, which is like a chicken stew with that is made with uh, potatoes and also has rice on the side and it has tomatoes carrots so so yeah it is it is potatoes are very like everyday usually if you have rice and you have a stew like um a dish then that the uh, sauce or, or the result of that um, thing would also go well with rice and potatoes so so anything that basically has rice we we have with potatoes um, we are very like um, yeah in Peru we have a lot of like dishes that go that you know include rice and potatoes simultaneously so and then yeah you know in general like potatoes because they are so diverse and and there's so many of them and they're so accessible as well they you know everyone's eating potatoes almost every day it's just in different ways. 
Yeah, amazing. Because, yeah, I heard there were more than 4,000 varieties of potatoes in Peru, which is simply mind-boggling. It feels like you'd have a different type of potato every day of your life. <laughs> yes, it's, it, is, it is a bit like, uh, yeah, it is, it is crazy. I, I myself, I haven't even tried that probably not even 100 types of potatoes but um but there's so many like mainly in the you know uh mountains area like uh you know in the andes there's so many potatoes as a result of the different altitudes you know of the of the ground so they can um that's that's where most of the um like uh, different types of potatoes come because it's different ground different uh, geographic altitudes and all these other things that that help you know all these different types of potatoes to to come to be yeah amazing well you're very far ahead of me if you've had almost 100 types of potatoes if i i can probably think about of about maybe 10 at the most that i've had so i've got a lot of catching up to do um so <laughs> Lewis, tell tell us about coming to Australia. What was it that um, made you make this big journey? Well, it's um, well, the, yeah, it's it's not really like like the true story. Like I always say, it's not really like I wanted to come here. You know, it's not. I, it, it didn't come from me. Um, my mom at the time, like I finished high school and I was uh, working just to. To go out like you know i would work and then i go out on the weekends and i was just in a time of my life that i was just relaxing too much maybe and uh my mom uh, like my uncles lived in sydney for i don't know 20 years at the time and um and she spoke to them uh to see if like i could come here so it it, it was born from her the idea that i should come to to Australia to kind of like do something with my life and um, and yeah uh, at the time I was like okay you know I'll do it I I didn't uh, think of it much because uh, I was gonna come and study and then with my studies go probably back to Peru and then try to get a good job or something but um, but the plan for her was for me to stay here and and you know hopefully I would like it and I would agreed to stay and and yeah i you know i just um i came i came to the house of my uncle and my auntie they received me they helped me a lot and um and yeah it was very hard to to get used to it because i i didn't have you know english i i couldn't i didn't have anyone like obviously my uncle my aunties they received me well. They were very nice to me, and they did all they could to to, to make me feel at home. But like uh, I hadn't really spent much time with them before coming here, and I didn't really know anyone else. So it was like, um, yeah, it felt very lonely. But I was, yeah, I wanted to 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 give it a try because my mom had like sacrificed everything so I can come. She like sold off the things that that we could sell and 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 more. So. So I wanted to do it, you know, just to not disappoint her and, and do my best. So, so yeah, that, that kept me going and and kept me here. And I was studying at the time I came and I was studying English and I was working a few jobs to 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 continue paying for my studies because I had to pay every six months like about $7,000 for uh, the rights to study and all of that that usually students have to pay. 
And yeah, I had to work uh, three jobs. I was working cleaning uh, houses. I was working as laborer, helping my uncle because he's a handyman. And then I had a job at Time Zone, I remember. That was a bit later when I when my English got a bit better. So, so yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story. Um, it, yeah, I, I can understand this feeling of it's not really what you wanted to do, but you felt this obligation, a, a responsibility to make the most of the experience because your mum had sacrificed so much. Uh, was there a... Were you still thinking about going back to Peru or was it from an, from an early stage where you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try to make a life here? Mm, yeah, no, I think the first uh, probably two, three years I was like just uh, thinking of going back. I was like, you know, I didn't really want to tell my mom that I wanted to go back. But I, I was working and obviously I was doing what I had to do to 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 stay here and, and, you know, like support myself because I, I didn't want to be like a burden for anyone. So I was still working, like I still, you know, like suffering, but doing what I had to do to, you know, to, to keep going. And, um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, basically the first two years I was just always like talking with my, you know, uh, with my mom, with my friends in Peru, with like, I was like half here, half there kind of. So I was just like, uh, you know, working all these, uh, all these things and I wasn't studying much. And then at night I would just get, you know, home. And then cause in Peru when it's night here, it's like in the morning there. So I would just spend like most of the night talking with people and then uh, I get up and go to work again tired. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was like, you know, not, not sure if I wanted to stay for a few years, but then, um, but then, yeah, slowly I, I um, yeah, I started to see that it was, you know, it was a, like, I like the, the, the Australia, like, way of, like, you know, if you work hard, you can make something for you, like, and everyone's, like, you know, like, nice and, and, and fair, and it doesn't matter where you come from, if you do what you have to do to, you know, to, to get things done like you can basically do anything so i like that that thing that you know like um it's not like improved doesn't matter how much you work there you cannot really get ahead because it is it is this you know like all these other things that play part to see who gets ahead and who doesn't but here it's just like if you work hard enough and you do things right like i like that you know anyone can be anything so so yeah, that's that's what started to shift my mind, and then slowly I started to you know to use the being happy you know about being here. I started making friends here, going out, getting together with Peruvian friends here, and and just making it here be a bit like Peru and, and I started feeling better every day, you know, just trying to make being here comfortable and, and nice and yeah, it, it got better with the years. So you're working at time zone, but then somehow food came in as, you know, something that you wanted to pursue. T- tell me about that. How did, how did this whole uh, food thing develop for you? So, yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I started working at Timestone probably 2011, and I was working there for, like, 12 years. 
before I started the restaurant. So, but uh, yeah, I started in Timeson one year after I arrived here when I have like kind of like decent English. And then I worked my way up from customer service to supervisor and then uh, venue manager, then uh, area manager for the time zone in New South Wales. But that took like all those, you know, 10 years, like slowly, slowly, because I was doing multiple jobs. So I I think when I left all the other jobs is that when I started moving up in time zone faster, because I put all my effort into into that job. And... Um, and yeah, uh, around like 2018, I think when when the COVID started, the pandemic, um, the obviously time zone went into a, like a freeze or something like an employment freeze, and everyone's at home. And and yeah, you know there was nothing else to do. I was uh, my mom had taught me how to cook my favorite dishes before I came, so I was always when I had a chance I was cooking. So the only other thing that I could do during lockdown was continue cooking. So I started watching videos on YouTube on how to do all the Peruvian dishes. And um, I would just copy that, go to uh, Coles or Woolies and, and buy all the stuff and and make my dishes and share with my partner and um, my kids. And I would take a photo and put it on on my Facebook and my friends would come in and, you know, we want to go eat this after lockdown or something. And I was cooking probably every couple of days a different dish. So, and, and I was, I'm like, I like to, you know, the dish look nice and visual and, and also taste good. So everyone that was on my friend list on Facebook was not everyone, but like my friends were commenting to come and eat. So, so yeah. And, um, when the restrictions ceased, uh, I was inviting my friends to to our place. It was an apartment, and I would cook for them. We just, you know, like get together as as normal. I was making these dishes that I learned how to cook during lockdown, and they would also take photos and, and put it on their Facebook or Instagram. And then their friends saw that, and they started messaging me on Facebook saying, "Hey, can we come and eat? We can. We are happy to pay, because people there were uh, people that either have tried Peruvian food or know someone that has tried Peruvian food. So they 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 thought it would be nice. So and yeah, I had a conversation with my partner. Well, I'm like, can we do this? Like, bring you know, like some." Uh, friends of friends that we don't know to to our place to eat and and say why not because we weren't working we weren't doing anything else and 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 she liked the food as well so it was a chance for her also to eat <laughs> more peruvian food so so yeah and that's how it started so friends of friends they started coming to our place uh, i was cooking for them probably like a three or four dishes menu with some pisco sours and um, and they would pay enough for us to cover the cost of the goods and yeah so that's how it just started at home i was doing that probably every couple of weeks and and yeah more like these new people were posting and then other people were reaching out to me saying can we do go to uh, your place and <laughs> and yeah that's how it you know it became Warike, because Warike is like a hole in the wall in Peru. We call Warike do a hole in the wall, like a style of 
eatery where no one knows there's food there. And um, and yeah, I just named it Warike because that's basically what we were at the time. And and I didn't really think of it like you know I'm gonna have a restaurant. I just like the 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 feeling of people you know sitting there having a good time enjoying the food and saying how good my food is that was like i like that it's a and a lot of uh, people were trying peruvian food for the first time too and i was there like just sharing about my culture and 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 through food and and it was nice so it felt nice and 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 we kept doing that for a few weeks so okay i mean it sounds so nice and it's it is very intoxicating to get that feedback and yeah to feel like you're enriching other people getting that small amount of recognition from sharing your food and your culture but it's a long way from yeah these occasional pop-ups to opening a restaurant so how did you take that next step well then then yeah that was a well i mean this was i think around 2019 so i think that was when the first lockdown finished so, um, and there was another lockdown to come later on. So I was, we were like happy with, you know, how the, everyone, me and my partner. So I thought, okay, let's open a restaurant. Like just go from the house to a restaurant. And she's like, I, I think she always just supports me. What I say, she tries to be supportive. And, uh, and I appreciate that a lot because she's my, you know, my rock. But um, at the time, uh, we didn't know anything about restaurants. And I went to my cousin because he's worked in hospitality for a while. He's uh, managed a few restaurants. And I'm like, oh, we're going to lease this restaurant. He's like, are you crazy? You know nothing about restaurants. <laughs> How are you going to go and, and lease a place? It was in Newtown, I remember. We were, like, so close. We had the heads of agreement and everything ready to go and uh he's like um and there was a barbecue happening in my uncle's house uh that weekend um for a birthday if i'm not wrong yeah it was a birthday and he invited the owners of the restaurant that he manages to that to that um barbecue so they can talk me out of leasing this place so, so we sat down and then they're like why don't you do a pop-up you know jason and tina and um, why don't you do a pop-up? They, the restaurant is called Nike and it closes on Sundays. So they say, use, you know, use the space on Sundays. You know, if you just do the pop-up, at least you don't have anything to lose if you don't like it. And if you do like it, at least you can learn a bit before you open a restaurant. And if you can make Sundays work, that, you know, that's why you know it's a lot of places close on sunday because it doesn't really work um then that means you have something special that's what they told me and and i was like uh yeah it makes sense you know it makes sense because i knew nothing about restaurant i was i was um yeah just working operations in family entertainment centers for 11 years obviously some of that customer service it's helped me a lot but it's a whole different thing so so yeah, I agreed with them. They they let me use uh, their venue for the pop-ups on Sundays, and we started. I think it was close to the end of the year in 2019, and we did our first pop-up, and it was me, my partner, and my uncles, and it was a disaster. 
I was cooking like I was at home and, and my partner was trying to help, like, you know, the, the tables, the front of the house. And, uh, yeah, we had some, some like, guests that had already been to the pop-up, I mean, sorry, to our house to do kind of like a soft thing, you know, the first pop-up, I didn't want to go too crazy. And um, and we just had like 20, 20 uh, guests. And then, um, yeah, I was just way in over my head. I was just, I couldn't get my prep done. I was just by myself in the kitchen trying to cook for everyone. And I, uh, it was a disaster. Then they started leaving. They're like, oh, thank you, we have to go. Uh, uh, it was like uh, they were waiting for like an hour and a half they were so nice but then uh, I was like yeah I think I only got out one dish at ceviche I think and then the other dishes they just couldn't wait and I was like yeah it's okay sorry I did, we didn't charge them anything of course but I felt bad and then um, and then yeah that was the first pop up it was a big learning experience and, and thankfully you know Marco who's my cousin and, and Jason and Tina were there like almost every weekend on Sundays, like giving me feedback, like how to do, what to do. They said, you know, I have to get out of the kitchen if I want to have a restaurant. And I did, and then found a chef and, and found someone to help on the floor and, and the pop-ups uh, started, you know, working. And I started learning a lot about the operation of, of, of the restaurant. And, um, and yeah, you know, every Sunday, slowly slowly we keep getting more and more guests we added live music to make it like a bit you know it's more special so there was this uh, uh entertainment they played traditional peruvian music and and yeah that was so it was kind of like a peru escape to peru they you know on sundays in sari hills we did that for about a year every sunday we were full the, the last few weeks of, of the pop-up. We were like booked out a week in advance. So it was really, really nice, really special. It, um, it, um, yeah, it was, it was, it felt really good. Like, cause most of the visitors, guests were new to Peruvian food and also Peruvians that miss home. So it was nice to be that connection, you know, to, for Peruvians, that means the like I was, you know, when I arrived, like I miss the food, miss the, and to to kind of like give them a, a, like a little piece of, of Peru at least for one day, and and also introduce new uh, people to Peruvian food and culture. It felt really good. So so yeah, we did that for over a year, and then we found this this. Uh, it was like because my partner was. Uh, she was always helping me with the pop-ups. We would go to the to the Flemington markets in the morning on Saturdays, buy all the stuff, prep it the whole Saturday, bring it to the restaurant on Sundays, and, uh, and yeah, go to the fish market on the same Sunday in the morning so we can get the fresh fish. It was a lot of work for like yeah the, the 52 weeks or something that was uh, for a year and and we thought okay we're not gonna do a pop-up forever so we either go to a restaurant or just you know we just stop it and then you know it was nice and everything but um yeah we had to to make a decision because obviously we, wa we didn't want to do that always because it was a lot of work 
because we had. Because you're to- still working. You went back to your job at Time Zone after lockdown. Yes, yes. So all this time I, <laughs> I was working full time. So I, I was working full time. I had like all these venues to look after. So I was doing this like as a side thing on the weekends. So I was working full time Monday to Friday. And then on Saturdays, we would go to the markets and and prep whole day. And Sunday, we would go to the fish market and then go to the restaurant. We had to bring everything in on the day and take it with us as well because the place is small, so we couldn't leave stuff there. So it was like, yeah, we had an extra fridge at home so we can keep the pop-up stuff. So. <laughs> that is a lot, Louis. <laughs> so, I mean, it could go one of two ways. Like, okay, this is a lot of work. Uh, this is really hard. Uh, I've got a stable job. Let's just call it a day. Or you could go, okay, let's do this properly and go all in. So, mm-hmm. obviously, you chose the latter. But um, how did you have the confidence to make this big leap? Well, I mean, I think we build the confidence over time because uh, we could see that, like, the concept was something that, you know, people enjoyed because we had a lot of new guests. We had a, um, yeah, we had a, like, a good guest base that we built only doing Sundays. And and we thought, okay, you know, we did all the math because... Um, yeah, we analyzed like all our guest base, our database, and we thought, okay, if we open probably, you know, these more days, we can probably, you know, be uh, busy. And if we find a place that is cheap enough to rent, we can make it work. But first of all, we, you know, we had that conversation. Do we want to do it? I, I was like, yeah, I want to do it because I want to, because uh, I like that part of, you know, like the hospitality and, 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 um, and like, representing Peru if you could say and my partner was very supportive so she was saying yes let's do it uh, but she's you know working full time and and also that's you know we we thought okay we found this place uh, in Surrey Hills where we are now and the rent was accessible and but we just didn't have enough money for the startup costs so so we thought, okay, you know, we can do it. Uh, let's find someone to, you know, to help us with the with the startup costs, like to, to get the place looking good because it was abandoned for like five years when they started doing the light rail work. They closed it down, the previous cafe that was there. And uh, and we just thought, you know, it is, it is a good sign that, you know, that we went from the house to the pop-up and the pop-up now is like booked out every Sunday and every Sunday we have new people. So I think that gave us confidence that it can work because because it started like that and it just grow from nothing and, and we could see uh, people loved it and we could see we were having new people every Sunday. So so that's where we got the confidence from. and um, and And yeah, we decided to find someone. We had a couple... Uh, options and then uh, the one that we uh, that we agreed to was all good so we went ahead we signed the lease and then uh, I don't know one month later when we like asking for the funds to to close the you know the partnership deal because we were gonna start like you know getting stuff the works done and then 
yeah, they just say, oh, sorry, with the pandemic and then something else. I am not very confident and um, I'm going to have to pull out and, and I'm sure you can find someone else and all that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. That's, yeah, that must have been a very <laughs> scary moment. So, yeah, so uh, we were like, what do we do now? We have the lease already signed and it's like if we break it, I mean, even if we broke it, like in the long, you know, scheme of things, even though we were liable for like a lot, uh, we weren't really like we weren't forced to to continue with the restaurant. Like we made the decision to continue because we wanted to, but it really affected us, you know, to to get the place started without the funding. But it was not like uh, we were forced to continue with the restaurant because we had all all these uh, legalities to deal with. So it was more like, uh, do we want to do it or not? Like, because uh, it's gonna be a lot harder now with the fun- without the funding because we didn't have much savings, like not much at all. We were working full time, so so we thought, okay, do we just scrap it or you know and deal with? all the consequences of the we keep going so we decided to keep going do it by ourselves and uh, our family were supportive as well and, and and close friends so they're like yeah you can do it and and yeah we went ahead we do it in, in our own luckily we got a few months rent free and it was quite like four or something months and um all this time i was like after work, going to the restaurant and fix up a little bit, a little bit for like four months. So, and I think I took a month annual leave in January that, that year. So the whole month I was like working there, like breaking things down or, or like painting or doing the floors or, or something. So I was working there and, and working my job for like three months and, and we were like waiting for each uh, pay cycle to, to come into our account. So. So we can, you know, buy some materials or buy some chairs or buy some, you know, something the kitchen needed, some equipment. So it was like over the course of four months, slowly, slowly, like paycheck to paycheck, we started building up the place, you know, to where we needed it to be to open. Wow. Um, Yeah, it must have been a really tough time. But in the end, do you feel glad that you've, you did it yourselves like is it actually better to not have an investor you know from this perspective it worked out really well for us so obviously we suffered a lot we like had very hard times we had to um yeah put everything that we had and, and we had to get a lot of loans like i remember like uh, we needed some money for something but no one else would give me a loan anymore like so it was like very difficult but after you know a few months when we opened we started getting money in and and like paying off some of the things we realized it was the the best thing that could have happened because you know we did it all ourselves and and even though at the time we didn't know like we didn't really need that investment um because because yeah obviously we wanted to do like a whole really nice fit out and and good tables good chairs and whatnot but um but in the end, like, um, it didn't really impact much on the end result. Like, obviously, it would have looked, the place would have looked a lot better and, and felt nicer, but the, the essence of, of the place 
and the and the vibe i don't know the environment felt like cozy felt nice and and we were happy with what we got at the end and um and yeah we did it all ourselves and we didn't need to like give something of of our you know business to someone else so so i guess that's that's the main thing like in the like looking at it like from the perspective now is like we didn't really need to um overspend like it was better to start like small and um and yeah and just have it all for for like you know just build the business ourselves rather than get an investor and and have a nice shiny place with all the you know good chairs and tables so so yeah that's that's the thing that the most important thing that you know it's, it's better to like it was better for us to use the start like a little bit humble with like you know actually we made the tables ourselves i used but like slats from bunnings you know like wood slats and then we cut it in pieces and then <laughs> so it was a lot of like that improvising that we had to do but but you know people at the end they they enjoy the environment they enjoy the hospitality they love the food so it it didn't really make uh, much of a difference if if everything was like high end or not so I think that's such a good lesson. Uh, because it, it's easy to spend money if you've got it, but if you don't have it uh, and you make do, uh, I guess you, you realize what's really important. Uh, so, Lewis, that's the first restaurant, but somehow in, in such a short time, you have two restaurants. So, how did the second one come about? That was interesting. So, I mean, we had been... Um, invited to do a pop-up in an art exhibition. So there was going to be an art exhibition in Walsh Bay and um, we were invited to do a pop-up. It was going to go for like six months or something. Yeah, six months, uh, three months. And we were offered the kitchen there. Uh, there was a big uh, floor, so apparently this art exhibition was going to be like full every day and, and we were offered that place and the kitchen we just had to fill it out ourselves like buy tables chairs kitchen equipment and not like appliances but like tools and things and bits and things and tables and everything and hire a team obviously to run this and uh we thought it could be good good marketing for warike because it was like a big um company that was uh inviting us to take part of this exhibition and the artist was also like you know, like known globally and and, and very famous uh, painter. So we thought, okay, it's going to be good. Let's do it. And um, when we started doing our, um, like, plan of, of the expenses and seeing how much we're going to need to spend to get this uh, started, to do this... Um, to this pop-up in this art exhibition, um, we thought, wow, that's a lot. And and one day I'm walking like back from going meeting with this um, representative in in Walsh Bay, and I see this place that is empty and it says for lease, and it looked like it was recently closed because he had all the tables, chairs, and bar was set up, and you could see that the, there was kitchen equipment in place. <laughs> So I was like, wow. So I give them a ring. I'm like, oh, hey, guys. Like, I just try inquiry about, like, 
was the deal and then we went and ins inspected the place and, and it looked like it was ready to go. So yeah, we compared the cost to like have our own place, another restaurant or like do this pop-up for six months and, and we thought, you know, like we better off just, you know, like doing a, another restaurant. So it, it wasn't really like, um, you know, that we had been planning it. It was kind of like a coincidence, which is, is, is funny, but uh, we also wanted to have a different, like, um, concept of Peruvian food. So it kind of like all aligned at the same time. And, and yeah, so we inspected this place and um, it was pretty much ready to go. And uh, yeah, we met with the, you know, did the, the negotiations and and everything happened really quick. Like it was, it was very, everything happened really quick with the second one. And we wanted to do a different concept of, of Peruvian cuisine, which is uh, Nikkei. And that's where um, Hector, our partner comes along because he's, um, he's been, he's lived in Japan for, for, for a few years and he's worked in Japanese embassy of of uh, Peruvian embassy in Japan. So he's um, kind of like, you know, he knows a lot of this style of, of cuisine, this concept. So we thought, you know, we are going through a good momentum with Warike. We are very busy. We have like a great social momentum with the socials. And, and, and I think it's a good time we thought it would be a good time to, you know, go for the second one while, while we were like doing so well. And, um, and yeah. Wow. Um, it's amazing. It's just, yeah, you accidentally opened another restaurant. So Lewis, uh, when you, when you look back on this, this amazing journey, I mean, how do you reflect on your progress from uncertain immigrant to, um, multi venue business owner? Well, I mean, I think it's it's, yeah, it's 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 really nice. It feels good, but I'm I'm just like um, I don't know. It feels uh, like for me, it's, it's I'm not very uh, attached to the places. I'm more like uh, like grateful for like all the you know the the people that are being impacted by it than. Obviously, it feels good to, to be, uh, you know, to have my own, like, my own business and do my own thing and uh, and decide, you know, how things happen. But for me, it's more like, you know, like, uh, you know, who are we impacting by this and, and, you know, what is it changing? I think all of that comes from, like, you know, um, like my mom in the end because she kind of, like, showed me a lot of things of... of of life that I didn't know before that, you know, I just, um, yeah, I grew up like just, um, not having much. And if I needed something, I was taught, you know, you should work and, and so you can get what you want, you know, since little, I was, I was never giving things for free. So I was never able to, you know, form any sort of, sort of entitlement. So it was, I think that's, that's all that was, you know, I was just lucky, I guess, to have a great mom because she showed me like this, a lot of things like uh, more important than that, 
that what you have is like you know the the people you impact and how they remember you so so yeah the the, the biggest thing that i like about like you know like and and drives me constantly is that that feeling of you know all these people that are coming here they're having a great time they they celebrating uh, uh, you know a birthday or 50th anniversary or they're getting engaged here or they they're proposing or meeting for the first time it's like how we are a place that enables all these you know life memorable moments so it's that's what kind of like um you know motivates me and keeps me going and and what makes me full is is that is that feeling obviously it feels good to you know to have my own restaurants to come from from having nothing to to having two restaurants and and but I think it's 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 more like thanks to the the, the way I was raised and and how I saw my mom be like a person you know that didn't really have nothing to the name you could say you know uh, somehow like but you could see like the love she had the love of everyone and 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 that motivate like motivated me to be that type of person as well that you know regardless of of you know if i have the restaurants or not like um i'm i'm good and i just care about like you know how good i can be to to the people i come in contact with and and you know if 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 i can be continue growing and and doing more good things for others that's that's good and um and yeah that's i think that's that's the main thing and that's helped me to i guess to you know to to go through all the difficult moments because because they were really you know hard moments and and the only way to to get through them was like be able to to stay you know strong in my head and remember you know it's it's, it's more than than just you know the restaurants it's, it's so so yeah yeah Wow, Lewis, what an amazing tale. And I'm sure your mum is so proud of you. Has she had the opportunity to visit you and see the restaurants? No, no. I mean, my, yeah, my mum passed away like uh, five years ago. No, yeah, six years ago. So, so yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I'm sure she is, yeah, wherever she is, I'm sure she is so proud of you. That was like a, you know, it was like very obviously difficult time in my life but the the biggest life-changing moment for me as well was when you know i lost my mom because it was like um yeah you know she she told me how to be a good person and and i could see like uh like how many people really care for her and love her and 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 even though like you could say like you know like we we didn't have much but she's always like always making others feel good and 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 you know it doesn't matter if it's the gardener or the guy that picks up the rubbish or, or anyone you know she would just invite them in have a meal have some water you know get washed up and and go keep doing your day and i i was seeing that as a kid that she was this type of person that doesn't matter how little you have you can always do something for someone and uh, i think that's what you know that's that's how i became to be you know and and, and i'm still continuously trying to to be better but but yeah that was uh, the you know the best lesson for me is just you know is to be a good person and and things good things happen so so yeah 
Amazing, Lewis. Well, it's um, a real privilege to chat to you today and, and hear your story. Um, very inspiring. And yeah, I look forward to coming and eating in your restaurants um, and yeah, celebrating what you've achieved. Um, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Danny. I'm very yeah, thankful for your time and for, you know, sharing your platform with me and, and, and hearing my story. And, and yeah, I can't wait to, you know, to show you Warike or, or Lima to share a bit of uh, Peruvian hospitality with you. I'm hungry for it. Thanks, Louis. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.